A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you and you're welcome along to the programme with Bernie taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And of course the news that we're all waking up to this morning, the sad, sad news that we're all waking up to this morning and that's the passing of uh, Brendan Grace who died late yesterday evening at the age of uh, 68. He, uh, I can see people just saying how saddened they are uh, to hear about his passing. We knew he was unwell. And indeed, we were here on on, on this station over the last couple of weeks, I think. We'd got an announcement in from the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow asking us to mention that the scheduled Brendan Grace... uh, concert had been uh, postponed. He was due to play in the Hibernian Hotel on the 19th of July and um, we had been saying that Brendan had been told to rest following a recent hospital admission and because of that he wouldn't be performing in the Hibernian uh, Hotel in Mallow. We'd be mentioning it and uh, then we heard certainly last week I was hearing rumours that he was very unwell and it was looking like he wasn't going to make it and then there still came such a shock this morning when I woke to hear that he had uh, passed away and it was a sudden illness in that he had a tour dates for July and August. He was planning on doing another one of his uh, summer tours but he ended up in June I think it was being hospitalised. Initially it was with pneumonia and then the... uh, people thought and I suppose he thought his family thought well he'll you know he'll recover lots of people get pneumonia and they recover and they'll be fine and he'll be able to go back out on the road but in the meantime let's rest let's get better and let's cancel this summer tour but sure we'll put a tour on again but then unfortunately it was while he was in hospital he was discovered that he was suffering from lung cancer now Brendan Grace started his career as a musician. It wasn't as a comedian. He was first a musician and, of course, he was a fine musician and a fine singer. That was back in the 1960s. Brendan Grace went on then to become widespread stand-up comedian and had huge TV success in this country. His performances of much-loved routines like Father of the Bride, The Chinese Takeaway, which I heard Simon play a clip of this morning, still makes me laugh every time. It built up like such a loyal uh, audience. He some fantastic TV shows and one-off specials that were always 
always big rate uh, pullers and uh, he and of course I suppose the best one and the most loved was his schoolboy character of Bottler. It's the one I think he will be forever remembered for. Brendan Grace went over a new generation of fans then in the 90s. That was when he took up the part of Father Finton Stack. Remember that in the Father Ted uh, Father Ted series? And that was such a different character for him uh, to play over the course of, the, of his career. He had toured, would you believe, with Frank Sinatra and John Denver. He had a number one hit in Ireland with his song Combine Harvester. That was later covered by the Wurzels in the the UK, which also reached number one uh, for them. And even after he was firmly established as a comedian, music regularly featured in his act. He would often close his shows with his rendition of songs like Dublin in the rare old times. He'd been living in Florida in recent years, but made regular visits back to Ireland to perform. And it's his booking agent of almost three decades, Tom Kelly, who I imagine is as equally heartbroken as his family uh, Brendan Grace's family is but Tom Kelly would have has been by his side now for almost uh, 30 years he described Brendan Grace as one of the greatest entertainers of an era he says you could see at every show how people just warmed to him Tom Kelly said all in all we can look back with pride at Brendan's lifetime great family man very close to his family, adored by his fans from all over the country and indeed abroad and his popularity spread right around the world. And I saw fellow comedian and Mrs Brown's Boys creator Brendan O'Carroll tweeting this morning that Brendan Grace had opened doors for many of us. So Brendan O'Carroll attributing some of his success to Brendan uh, Grace and he said he leaves a legacy of love and laughter that will echo through this land and then Brendan O'Carroll added at the end of, of the tweet, we will all mourn his passing. Rest peacefully, Butler, you've uh, earned it. And he is survived by his wife Eileen, his children and his grandchildren. And like a lot of people are sending in just texts, just saying how saddened they are uh, by that news, including a listener saying, hi Patricia, was so sorry to hear of Brendan Grace's passing. He was what I would call a true gentleman, not like not like the likes of Tommy Tiernan, Brendan O'Carroll and Niall Tobin as they use bad language and it's so unnecessary. It was one of the things I was saying when I was speaking with Simon uh, earlier on. He just, he didn't defend people with any of his, his, his jokes and he never, I don't think I ever heard, even when he was doing the drunk, I don't know if I ever heard him use uh, bad language. Can we play a little piece from um, Bottler if I can get it, if I can just get it here just to have a little bit of a, just... Just to remember uh, him. DJ had no favourites. He, he hated us all. <laughs> and he looked down the classroom one day and he said, Butler? He said, yes, sir. He said, who invented the thermometer? Uh, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Pockets O'Neill. Yes, sir. Who was the first woman in the world? Um, the first? Yes. Give us a clue. The first woman in the world. Apple. <laughs> Granny Smith. No, the first woman in the world was Eve. Why was the apple a clue? Well, Eve, the Garden of Eden. All right. Yeah. 
Now, it's a three-part question, and you have to answer each part in order to win the prize of a bag of sweets. Okay, sir. Now, you've answered the first one with a little help from me. The second part of the question is, who was the first man and woman in the world? Um, Eve and Adam. Adam and Eve. Correct. That's two questions down and one to go. Ooh, looking forward to the baggy seats. Okay, the third question is, what was Eve's first words to Adam? Um, that's a hard one. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Okay, just a little bit of a clip from uh, one of, that was Bottler's and general, a general knowledge piece and the late, uh, great uh, Brendan Grace. Uh, he would be so, so uh, missed. And we're asking people if you have memories of uh, Brendan Grace uh, to share with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, hi, Patricia. Brendan Grace landed his helicopter many years ago in the Charleville soccer grounds, known now as the Tim Fitzgerald Park for the funeral mass of the late Johnny Barrett. That's kind regards, uh, Pat O'Hara from the Charleville Soccer Club. May Brendan rest uh, in uh, peace. Uh, thank you for that, Pat. And I, I remember many, many times interviewing Brendan Grace uh, over the years and he was always so excited if when we would be doing the interview and he'd realise that I was speaking to him, if it was over the phone, for example, that it was that we were in the old Majestic Ballroom and, and he had fond memories of the old Majestic Ballroom and very fond memories of playing various gigs uh, in Cork and he always loved uh, to come to Cork and uh, no doubt he would have loved coming to Mallow for example for that gig that he should have been playing uh, next week and Michael says uh, Patricia what a sad morning to learn we've lost two very prominent gentlemen in Brendan Grace and Noel Whelan two gentlemen that were held in the highest regard in their own profession Brendan for the many many happy hours of entertainment that will never be forgotten around the world and Noel one of the few true Genuine political analysis, always very genuine in his assessment, always held your ear, regardless of his own personal views inside. Our prayers and thoughts are with uh, all of their families. May he rest in peace. And yeah, um, Noel Whelan, I was... I couldn't believe when I heard this morning that Noel Whelan had died, a well-known barrister and political uh, commentator, and he was only 50. He has died after what has been described as a short uh, illness, and he was, of course, a leading figure in the campaigns to introduce same-sex marriage in this country and to repeal the Eighth Amendment. I saw Leo Varadkar actually tweeting this morning, so sad to hear that Noel Whelan has passed away. He said, we came from different political backgrounds, but I feel this morning like Ireland has lost a friend, such a sharp intellect." so articulate and so effective on the marriage uh, equality and of course he was very much affiliated with the Fianna Fáil uh, party and um, I saw um, Micheál Martin actually was paying tribute to Noel Whelan describing him as a man with a very sharp uh, intellect. So that's another great loss uh, to this country. 1850 Now coming up on the programme this morning we're going to be speaking about the problems facing home helps in the North Cork area. Now, this was started because we had some calls in earlier in the week from home helps in North Cork who said they were working 12 days back to back without a break 
and on some days their hours would be from 7am till 7pm so 12 hour shifts but it could be over 12 is the 12 hour days back to back without a break was what they were most concerned about and I initially when I heard about it thought was this to do with that there was summer holidays and there was maybe people on holidays and they were filling in for people was it overtime but then it was explained no that it's to do with the new roster whereby you have to work every second weekend so if you're working your five days and your five days during the week and your two days then in the middle for the weekend that you're rostered on you technically will be working 12 days in a row. So we got on to the HSC and the HSC have issued us with a response which we will discuss um, on the programme today but we've also are going to bring on the representative from SIP2 who are representing the Home Helps and no doubt are in discussions with the HSC to try to solve this problem but I'm also interested to see if it's a new roster. It hasn't just gone in in North Cork, it would have gone in all over Cork. Uh, is it working okay in other areas? Because certainly the calls we're getting today are just from the, or that we've been getting this week are just from the North Cork area so I would be interested to hear from other uh, home helps about this new roster system and is it working out okay in your area? 1850 333 103. People from the get the opportunity at the end of August if they would like to avail of going to Belfast for cataract operations. There has been cataract buses running for the last two years out of West Cork but now there's going to be one running from the Hollow area. I imagine that the bus will fill up but we will see. Uh, so if you're interested we'll have all of the details if you need to get a cataract operation and you'll be willing to go to Belfast it, is, it does require an overnight trip it does require you of course funding the paying the hospital and then you get them, you get reimbursed by the HSC so but I know a lot of the credit unions have been really good certainly down in West Cork the credit unions have been very good about organising almost like a bridging loan for families who mightn't have the money to pay for the for the operation up front but you do as I say you do get it back from the HSC but I know the lengths that people will go for fear of losing their sight a, an overnight trip to Belfast does not seem that bad uh, if you are faced with going blind so we'll find out about the Johalo bus on the programme today we're also going to hear about the farmers protest that happened yesterday outside Dáil Air and beef farmers where I think about 2,000 uh, farmers uh, turned up lots of coverage on the paper today we're going to speak with a West Cork farmer who was part of organising that protest uh, yesterday we'll be finding out why farmers downed their tools and picked up their wellies it seemed to be a Wellington protest and headed to uh, Dáil Air and a member from Garda Siakona will join us for this week's uh, Crime File uh, and actually, just when I'm on uh, on crime file, just as a word of warning to people, there's a there's a piece in the paper today. Now it's a story out of Dublin, but it's about a gang who are made up mainly of teenagers, and they're suspected of stealing cars. About thirty of what the Guardian are describing uh, describing as high end cars, and they have stolen them in the last fortnight. Now they're, they're, they're young they're teenagers, I mean they're just sort of on the start of their criminal career which is just a, what, a, what a shocking way to decide to what your career is going to be. I'm going to be a full time criminal but the Garda have established that these young teenagers have been fishing key rings 
through letterboxes of upmarket homes before driving off then in the, ins- the expensive vehicles, including Audis, BMWs and Mercedes. And it's in quite affluent areas of Dublin, like Clintarf, Malahide, Hoth, Sutton and Rohini. And it has been a crime wave in recent days. And up to 30 of these high-end cars have been stolen, as they say, in the last two weeks. And in many of the cases, that's what they're doing. They're opening up the letterbox. They're taking a look in through the hall. They can see see if the keys have been left on a hall table. Others hang them up. You might have little hooks inside the door. Very easy. These guys are experts at what they do and they're fishing the keys out. Um, gone and they've driven away. You get up in the morning, keys are missing and you look out and so is uh, your car. So it's kind of, as I say, this is a, a Dublin gang that the Gardaí are trying to track down. But it is, it's a kind of a... And, a warning to all of us, where do you leave your car keys at night? The amount are st- I mean, obviously a number of people are still doing it if these cars have been stolen in this way. Do you still walk in the front door and have you a little hall table that you just leave your car keys on? And it's a great thing to do because, of course, you'll always know where your car keys are. You don't have that endless problem of, oh, where are the car keys? Where did I leave the car keys? And we all like to leave them in the same place. And I certainly leave my car keys in the same place. So there's never a panic as to where my car keys are. But I don't leave them just inside the door. I don't have a hall table that I leave them on. I don't hang them up inside the hall. They're not anywhere near the hall, but I do always leave them in the same place. So it is important, I think, that we always leave them in the same place. But if you are one of those people that are still either have it hanging up inside the door, is it possible that somebody could fish like a kind of a fishing rod with a hook? Could they get it in your letterbox and could they hook it off wherever you're leaving your car keys or if you're leaving them on the hall table you really need to stop and think about that and move them to a safer location. 1850-333-103 and in the final hour of the programme today Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us if you have a pet question for Jane get it in please throughout the morning and we'll put it uh, to Jane uh, after half past 12 today 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 86 103. From when we're talking about the passing of uh, Brendan Grace and Noel Whelan, the political commentator, Jared says, Patricia, there's another death that people, uh, a person people would have remembered, certainly from their, their, a lot of you listeners would remember them from, from their childhood, from the movie Willy Wonka. Remember the Willy, the, the very first Willy Wonka, the actress who played Violet one of the little girls in the 1971 Willy Wonka and the Chakta Factory. She's an actress by the name of Denise uh, Nickerson and she's passed away at the age of uh, 62. She was taken off life support machine uh, this week. She had suffered a devastating stroke about a year ago. So her life was uh, was very different for the last year and then she had another, uh, what looked like another stroke earlier this week and she ended up on life support machine, a life support machine and the family decided to take her off and she has passed away. But she was violet in um, Willy Wonka and the Tractor Factory. So, yeah, that's another one from our childhood. OK, people still remembering Brendan Grace. Phil says, Patricia, the clip that you played from Bottler was uh, great. One of so many. And, you know, I was 
spoiled for choice with the amount of clips I could have played. Thank you for playing it, says Phil. That was my pleasure. The world was a better place because Brendan Grace was in it. That is my tribute to him. God rest his gentle soul. I'm so sad today, says uh, Phil. Thank you for that. Rest in peace, Brendan Grace is another texture. What a very clean show he always had without any bad language or any need for bad language compared to the filth on some shows like Mrs Brown's Boys. A lot of people not happy with Mrs Brown's Boys because of the language, the bad language more than anything. Mary and Rathmore met Brendan Grace. She said he was a lovely man and uh, always very generous with his time and she only met him in May of this year, so not uh, so long ago. And John in Cork says, Brendan Grace was the last of the old style comedians. He never had to resort to bad language on stage. And that's one of the things that keeps coming out from so many of our listeners today. 1850 On to different topics. Hi Patricia, do you know if Carrie Me is on tomorrow? Yeah. Yep, Carry Me goes ahead. So obviously you avoid Bottevant unless you're attending Carry Me Fair. And I know I heard Barry on our news and no doubt it'll be running throughout the day giving the traffic arrangements. There are various traffic uh, arrangements because unless you're going to Carry Me, you've no business being anywhere near uh, Bottevant. And of course, Carry Me 12th of July is on tomorrow. 12th of July is always, always also a big day up in the north. And there is a picture, and there's a lot of pictures in the paper of the various bonfires getting ready to be lit to in order to remember the and celebrate the 12th of July, July by the Unionists in Northern Ireland. But there is a photograph on the front page of the Irish Times of a bonfire towering over housing estates and it's just pallets stacked and stacked and stacked and, you know, almost in a, a cone-like shape. It is, the height of this bonfire is absolutely incredible because when I looked at it first and then I realised, what oh, that is very close to those houses. And that's, oh my goodness, they're two-storey houses and it's, they're two-storey houses and they are four times the height of a two-storey house. It's just, I certainly, when that gets lit, I would not like to be living in any close proximity to it but it's the tradition and bonfires will be lit all across Northern Ireland and they do it on the eve of the anniversary of the Battle of the Boyne so they do it on the 11th night so it's tonight is the night for the for the bonfires and um, God help the fire service I imagine they will have a busy busy time tonight and of course 12th of July Carame is always on the very same uh, date so yes uh, Carame is on tomorrow and a listener has been on from Mallow Michael wanting to know has anybody else noticed in parts of Mallow that there's a lot of lime in the water Michael says it was a problem about two years ago but he has reckoned that the problem of lime has improved but now he says it's back with a vengeance and it is destroying dishwashers has anybody else noticed that an increase in lime in your water in the Mallow area 1850 I forgot to remind you that we have another two pairs of tickets to give away today to the odd couple this summer, the Everyman are presenting the odd couple from Tony Award winner Neil Simon. It runs from July 16th to August the 17th. And every day this week, two winners every day, winning pairs of tickets to go along to next Wednesday's staging of the odd couple. It's a half seven start. I will call out three couples today. One of them will be an odd couple in that they're not meant to be there. And you've got to try to guess which one is the odd couple. I'll tell you what, we'll do it again by text and... 
WhatsApp again today because there was a huge reaction to it yesterday by text and WhatsApp so we'll do it that way again today and giving you the chance to win uh, two pairs uh, a pair of tickets each two winners okay on the odd couple at the Everyman Palace from July 16th through to August 17th described as a wickedly funny caper 1850 our lines are open You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 Earlier this week we were contacted by some healthcare support assistants previously known as Home Helps from the North Cork area who wanted to highlight changes to their rosters which means some of them are working 12 days in a row with some hours running from 7am to 7pm. The callers to the programme felt they are burnt out are heading for burnout and that something needs to be done. Ted Kenny of SIPTU represents some of these workers and he joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Ted. Good morning. And you're welcome. What's the background here? Why have the working rosters changed for Home Helps? Well, I suppose the first point is that, I mean, the, the practice of working 12 days in a row has been common practice for a good number of years. And um, Two years ago, uh, we made an agreement um, in relation to revised contracted hours um, to take into consideration a European Court of Justice uh, ruling that said that um, staff had to get paid um, for their travel time. The time spent travelling had to be paid as an hourly paid, uh, as an hourly rate of pay. So an agreement was reached at that stage. Management has failed um, to stop the 12 days working, which is illegal under the Organisation of Working Time Act. And that's where the dispute lies presently. And the 12 days, if just to explain this to people, that's because home helps are expected to work. Is it every second weekend? Every second weekend, correct. And uh, the agreement we have reached with the HC nationally is that people would only work one weekend and four. And do they have enough home helps to allow them to facilitate that? It is openly that they have. Um, um, we have a lot of home helps that are refusing to work. And I suppose that's a, an issue for us as a management to South Dog. We have home helps that won't work, are refusing to work weekends, and they'll have to and they'll have to be dealt with by management as well. So it's twofold. We have our own members um, who work um, twelve days in a row, and we have other people who actually won't work weekends so it's a balance oh, act, yeah. and if, if you don't have some who, don't, who won't work weekends that's putting the onus on the ones who will work weekends to do more weekends then obviously Correct and those who work the weekends have been asked all the time to work the weekends and the other people have been bumped out Is this just an issue in North Cork or is it, is it affecting home helps in other parts of Cork and Kerry? It's affecting home helps in only 26 counties no. so it's, a, it's a larger problem just not okay, we did contact the HSC and they say we acknowledge that in some areas the healthcare support assistance, which is the new name for the home house, are working rosters which are not ideal. And we are working to address this as quickly as possible. It is absolutely not ideal that a home help should work from 7am to 7pm, although we should point out that in such a scenario, the home help would be working a split shift and wouldn't be working for 12 hours straight. And then they say the management of the home support service are working with staff and their representative to address rosters. So they are trying, Ted, are they, to sort it out? I think management at senior level are trying to sort it out and I think management at local level um, aren't. 
That's my honest opinion in relation to it. I believe that there is a, an internal row going on with local managers and with their union, FORSA, which is the sister union of ours, uh, which is a family of impact, um, where the coordinators are looking for um, extra staff to deal with the workloads that they have to do to sort out the new rosters. And I believe they're also looking for a new IT system. And I believe that's where the problem lies. So in the ideal world, you feel your workers are willing to work weekends, but just to do one a month, one in four? One in four, correct. But would that mean every home health would have to agree to do a weekend? Every home health, um, it's already in their contract of employment that it's five over seven, so every home health has no choice but to work one weekend in four. But you're saying some refuse to do it? Some are refusing to do it and they'll have to be dealt with in the, in, in the normal way by management. Yeah, because a home help has contacted us from the Mallow area. She says the issue has nothing to do with the new contracts. They're, they're quite happy with the new contracts. It's because they're working 12 days in a row without a break. And the HSE, a state-run body, is quite happy to let this continue. They are run ragged and she would not give, um, her, her name is not, not for broadcast. They're all, uh, actually whenever we get contacted, they're all, they're all very nervous about speaking publicly, uh, Ted. Yes, and I can appreciate that. I mean, the HSC have a, 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 a policy in relation to staff talking um, on, on the airways and, and in the media. And I suppose, I mean, uh, the healthcare support assistants in the various local areas uh, who have great, very large concerns and they relate those concerns to me on a, on, a, on, a, nearly on a daily basis in relation to the conditions they have to work under. And there is a big fear that if they speak out and if they are identified either in press or in, um, um, in, in, in radio, and that they would be targeted and, 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 their, and their conditions would actually be worse. Well, and these, these health care support assistants are working with some of the most vulnerable people in our community. That's correct. And we know, God, God we know how we need more of them. We need more home care packages. We need more home helps because we've got people in hospitals who shouldn't be in hospitals. Um, and yet we have what's sounding like and certainly any of the home helps that we've spoken to off air do sound like they really are burnt out, Ted. I mean, the worry here is some of them might just leave the profession completely. That's a very, very, um, a very fair point. I mean, if you look at where the home help um, service came from, I mean, I'm dealing with home health for the last 25 years, and I remember when I started in the room in situ representing these workers, they were on one pound an hour. Oh, God, I remember those days. And we brought them up now today to where they currently are, which is banned for the, uh, the HSC rates to pay. And a lot of um, the HCSAs in the country at the moment are an older workforce. Right? Mm-hmm. There has been no major influx of new people coming into the system and um, in pockets yes it has happened but you're talking a lot of these people are in their um, late 40s 50s 60s and have been doing these jobs for many many years a lot of them have well over 20 years of us yeah yeah you know and, and the service they give to the community is invaluable I mean, I mean I mean we listen to Minister Harris and other government TDs saying quite clearly that we should free up hospital beds we should put more people out in the community care for them at home and yet this is the way they treat their staff. It's deplorable. And the HSE in that statement to us say there are about two 
thousand home helps or healthcare supports um, assistance uh, involved uh, in the service. Are they all employed by the HSC or are some of them, does that include private companies? No, there's, roughly in Ireland there's approximately about 7,000 home helps um, healthcare support assistance employed directly by the, the HSC. Um, out of that, there's just short of 2,000 employed in Cork and Kerry alone. Okay. So you could say just just you could say just over a third of the workforce is employed in Kerry and Cork, and that's I mean that's an issue as well. I mean in other counties they only have a couple of hundred. Yeah. So it's easier to sort out rosters in there. Uh, when you have large groups of staff, I mean in the North Cork area alone, um, you would have definitely uh, three hundred um, home helps, and I'm talking about um, Mallow, um, Fermoy, um, Middleton into Middlesbrough Street area. There'd be roughly about nearly 300 homes in that large area across North Cork into Charleville and that. Um, so the, it, I can understand where the difficulties are on the ground and and, 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 and there is issues there. Um, and of course, logistic issues and all trying to resolve this issue. But they've had adamant and adequate time to deal with it and they just haven't done it. Yeah, somebody and are the HSE employing new home helps? Because one listener says I've been trying for home help work for nine years, but no joy. And I'm assuming that's trying through the HSE because there are private companies out there as well. Well, there certainly are in West Cork. Yeah, there's private companies all over the country. Yeah, and the situation is, uh, I mean, when this deal was done with ourselves, with the government, we were supposed to get six hundred and seventy thousand extra hours back into the system. Yeah. which equates to about 13 million of, of, of an increase in the budgets and that, right? Um, at the time, we said if all members didn't have the work, they would take it back off the privates and give it to the directly paid employees. Yeah. They were taking on new um, staff up to, I would imagine, about two, maybe two months ago. And then the minister announced there was going to be another monitorium till October. So there was a big freeze in health. Right? And we're not just talking about the, the whole health service. It's uh, right across the board. It's right across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing nationally um, is that the dispute that we had in the hospitals there uh, two weeks ago, um, the likelihood of that being reinstated is, is, is very, very real. Yeah, yeah, and I so know. The talks I are going on there and, that, and they don't seem to be getting anywhere. Going over. Yeah. Going over. And, so when, when, and Ted, when you talk about the private operators who also um, have, uh, have healthcare support assistance, are they treated differently to the HSE staff, do you know? Are their working conditions different to the HSE home helps? Well, I mean, number one, they're on a, a, a lower rate of pay. Um, the, pri- sure. the private ones are? The private ones, yes. Okay. They'd be just, just above the minimum wage. They would be, um, I'm not sure. Your, your phone is breaking up there. If you just, can you just move us slightly? Are you back oh, with you us? Yeah, you're back yeah. with them. Yeah, okay, they're, they're, they're paid less. What, what was the next point you wanted to make? No, we've got, we're, we're in a... Hello? Oh, yeah, you're me? back with us now. You're back with us now. Yeah, go on. You were explaining okay. about the yeah. private operators. Yeah, and the type of legislation that applies to the, 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 the HSE um, staff, which is the European Court of Justice ruling, that will apply well, and will have to apply to the private level eventually. So the playing pitch is going to get um, be very much um, levelled up between the private and and and, and the HSE. I mean, people out there think that, and it's a myth really that says that it's it's cheaper to have privates doing the service. Yeah, I don't accept that. And uh, we have proven that it's actually cheaper to have only paid employees than it is to have privates. Uh, but it's not about a private public issue. Yeah. The issue that we have is quite clearly with the HSE that there's an agreement in place 
to cease 12 days in a row working, which is illegal under the Organisation of Working Time Act, and that legislation is there since 1997. And we have people working 12 days in a row for a good number of years. They've had two years to put in measures to stop it. They haven't. We've given them an ultimatum that as of from the 19th of, of, of July that we were going to stop. Right? Uh, I'm conscious that that would have a, maybe a detriment effect um, to the running of the service. But we have to draw a line in the sand somewhere to force the HSC to honour their agreements and to stop this illegal practice. And when you say on the 19th of July you're going to stop, what does that mean? That uh, people won't we, work we, weekends? We, 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 yeah, they, they would actually take their weekend off. They wouldn't be working two weekends um, 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 in, in, in four. And are you still in negotiations with the HSC? Have you plans to meet them before yeah, the 19th? We are, yeah, we're meeting them again next week. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll keep in contact with you, uh, Ted. Thank you for Thank that. You. Thank you. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Ted Kenny, who is with SIP2 and he represents Health Care Support Assistance, previously known as Home Helps, from the North Cork uh, area. And that is a situation that just has to get sorted and it has to get sorted uh, sooner rather than later. Yesterday we had a listener who was looking for advice on car insurance. Her daughter has recently passed her driving uh, test and now they were coming up stumbling blocks when they were trying to get insurance on the car family car but they want to include the daughter she won't be driving at all of the time but uh, just so that she can gain some experience driving the family car and they were coming up against um, stumbling blocks in that they weren't getting quoted or else the premium was too high. A couple of people have been on a listener in Watergrass Hill says um, AXA I'm insured with AXA I have an N driver and a learner driver very reasonable well worth a call and another listener says on the insurance issue tell that family to try FBD they were very fair to us when we were in the very same situation. So thank you for that. Some words of advice and uh, we'll pass that on. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits C103 Somebody said you got a new friend Does she love me better than I can? And yeah, I know it's stupid But I just gotta see it for myself I'm in the corner Why do you kiss her? Oh, oh, oh And I'm right over here But why can't you see me?
lights come on, the music dies, but you don't see me standing here. I just came to say goodbye. I'm in the corner watching you kiss her. Oh, and I'm giving it my all. I'm not the guy taking home. Ooh, I keep dancing on my own in the night. Sit down in the corner watching you kiss her. That's Callum Scott on C103 and Dancing on My Own. Just a quick text in about Home Helps. Uh, One listener says, Home Helps are wonderful, but the only problem I would have with them are the ones who were smokers. I know they don't smoke in the people's homes or when they're doing their work as home helps. But when they come in, they often stink of cigarettes, which is very hard, particularly on patients who don't smoke. And the smell can last a long time in the house. And that is a problem for some people. And I suppose especially if the, if the home help has had a cigarette just before they go in to the house. That smell does have a tendency to linger because it lingers on the clothes and if they're working and of course the nature of the work that they do, they're working in very close proximity to the person that they're doing the home help for. And uh, yeah, if you're not a smoker or I think if you were once a smoker, I think people who give up cigarettes find the smell of smoke I think much worse than people that never smoked I've always found I've always found that that non-smokers will never give out as much about the smell of stale smoke as somebody who had been a smoker 1850 at about 20 past 12 today we're going to be speaking with one of the organisers of the protest that was held in Dublin yesterday it's organised by a group who are calling themselves the Beef Plan Movement and our own Minister for Agriculture Michael Creed is urging farmers not to desert the government over the Mercursor trade deal saying it's not a done deal and that Ireland can still make changes to protect the farming sector. Minister Creed made the request for patience and he was saying that as I think it was about two and a half thousand farmers were outside the gates of Leinster House for what they claimed, the protest they were claiming that their sector has been sold out by Fine Gael. And there is almost, particularly with the Mercursor deal, it's almost like a feeling that they are the beef sector are the ones that are being sold out on this. It's like they're the ones that have to take the hit for this. But when you look at the bigger plan, McCursor, there there is good parts of McCursor, but like the sacrificial lamb almost seems to be the beef farmers. But Michael Creed is saying, no, hang on a tick. 
we can make changes. We we will, he's hoping they will be able to protect the farming sector. But certainly beef farmers are not seeing it that way. And they, about two and a half thousand of them turned up yesterday, leaving their Wellingtons at the gate the gates of Leinster House saying no longer needed. We'll be talk as I say, we'll be speaking with one of the organisers of the Cork contingent who went to the protest yesterday. If you went along, your thoughts and comments uh, welcomed 1850-333-103. And while beef farmers are worried about that, all farm, everyone in the agricultural sector, I think everybody in Ireland is most worried about Brexit. And now there's lots and lots of talk now. People are really starting to realise that it is looking more every day that passes it looks more and more like the UK are going to crash out of uh, Europe and there will be a no deal Brexit and now it's becoming a a reality for people what it is going to mean how is it going to affect all of our lives and the latest one to come under the spotlight and get a lot of attention this week are consumers and how consumers are going to be affected by a no deal Brexit. The Competition and Consumer Protection Commission they're assessing the potential impact impact of a disorderly Brexit on households. They, ha- they had started a public awareness campaign to inform consumers of their rights when shopping online earlier this year. But that then was the, that initiative was dropped after Brexit was delayed. But according to the Irish Independent today, it's now considering when it will recommence that campaign. Central to the message will be the need for shoppers to know where they are purchasing clothing, technology and other products from. And of course, more and more people now are shopping online and shopping online for convenience and not even stopping to think, you know, where is this product coming from? A lot of our products come from the United Kingdom and there hasn't been any problems, but there will be if they crash out after the end of October. UK-based stores will no longer be bound by EU regulations and therefore may change. That's not to say that they will, but they may change their existing policies, particularly on refunds. And there are fears that online purchasers purchases will be delayed in transit. They will, of course, be subject to extra tariffs once the UK moves outside of the EU. It will also be significantly more difficult to return unwanted items. And that's going to be due to the tax implications because what will happen... If, you buy an item and we're, we're trying to talk in the scenario that England, UK have crashed out of Brexit. You decide to buy something from a company you've always been buying from. Suddenly you're going to have to pay excise duty and VAT on it. You'll pay for that when it comes into the country, probably at your door when the postman drops it off to you. And then you decide that for whatever reason you don't like it, doesn't fit properly. God forbid if it's not working properly, but you need to return it. So when you go to return it, you are then going to have to get back on to ex- revenue to get your the excise duty and the VAT money back, which is going to involve, we're told, writing to the import station or the mail centre where the goods arrived. And it is just going to be an absolute nightmare. In the, I think... If it's a straight buy and you're buying it and you're willing to pay the extra excise and VAT, it'll make it more expensive and you're happy with the product. But it's when you're not happy with the product that I think issues are going to arrive now. I know, arise. Now, I know Amazon tried to contact ASOS and Amazon, which are probably the two biggest companies in the United Kingdom where people buy from, but they declined to comment on how they will treat Irish consumers in a no-deal scenario. And in terms of consumer rights or shopping online, consumers in Ireland have rights under the EU 
Consumer Rights Directive and we've spoken about those rights only lately we were speaking with the ECC, the European Com- Consumer Commission about rights if you're going on holidays and you've booked a holiday and you know we were talking about all the different rights that you have particularly under the Consumer Rights Directive but once and one of the Consumer Rights Directive includes the right to a 14 day cooling off period. Now in most cases that entitles a consumer to cancel the order for any reason within the 14 days of delivery you'll get a full refund on the price paid and the standard delivery costs but that's all under an EU direct directive. But once the UK leaves the EU those regulations will no longer apply for EU for UK-based traders. And actually, I heard the European Affairs Minister, Helen uh, McEntee, making an interesting point. And I would know of people, and she was saying the same point, that she knows the people that, that do this, that if there's a particular dress that somebody sees online, and of course the worst thing about buying online is you can't try it on, and what can look good in a picture and look good on a model can look completely different when it arrives and when you try it on. And sizing, I think is the biggest one when you're buying online. How do you get the size right? So what a lot of people do, and I would know, I have to say hand on heart, I've never done this because it just seems like too much hard work. But what a number of people will do is they might buy a dress in a 10, a 12 and a 14. Unsure, you know, are they small fishing? Are they generous fittings? If you are a 12, if they're generous fittings, I'll only need the 10. If they're small fittings, I'll need the 14. Sure, you know what I'll do. It's free delivery. I'll order all three. So they order all three, get them home, try them on and then I'll keep the one that fits and the other two go back because most of the companies offer, you know, free free returns. You won't be doing that anymore, for sure, for sure, if the EU crash out of Brexit because firstly you'll be paying excise duty and VAT on all of the three dresses. Then there's going to be trying to get them back. That You know there'll be a cost factor involved in, in that. So consumers very much, very much a lot of uncertainty around what is going to happen if and when it looks like, unfortunately, it looks like a when we're talking about now, the EU crash out of Brexit. 1850 Bernie taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And of course, you can always email patricia at c103.ie. And to an email I want to go from one of our listeners who we are calling her Lisa but when you hear the email you'll realise that is not her real name and she's looking for advice let me read the email it says Hi Trish could you please ask your listeners who may have found themselves in the same position as me could they offer me some advice my husband and father of our children has left and set up home with a new partner and her children I know that marriages unfortunately end and while I'm getting over the heartbreak and the rejection, what I simply cannot accept is that he is washing his hands of his and our children. He claims he can't afford to pay full maintenance, which by the way I dispute as he's currently just back from a sun holiday with his new family. He owns his own business, which I know is doing well while he will tell me it isn't. I'm working, but I can only work part-time as I can't afford full-time childcare and I don't have any family living near me to help out, so I'm very much on my own rearing my children. He is currently paying just €50 a week as maintenance. He claims that's all he can afford. That, by the way, goes nowhere. Is going to court my only option, as I don't know if I have the strength to do that. By the way, he doesn't want access to the children, but he has, says, once they're 18, 
he's happy to start an adult relationship with them. God, I hope it stays fine from. Fine from. Anyway, um, how do I get him to pay maintenance? I'm not looking for much, just enough to cover the cost of rearing my beautiful children. They shouldn't be the ones to suffer just because our marriage has failed. I've already started the back to school costs. How am I doing it? I'm visiting all of the charity shops in the area and I have and am managing to buy all of their uniforms, which can I say is a great tip and a great way for any of your listeners struggling to help to fray the huge cost of going back to school. Any advice from your listeners would be very much appreciated. And that's signed Lisa, who signs herself a heartbroken, stressed out uh, mother. God, it's pretty heartbreaking, isn't it? Uh, I mean, when I was when I first got the email and I was reading down through it, my initial thing was this girl has got to go to court. She's got to fight him in the courts. And I, I you know, and I know when you're struggling like that and struggling on her own because her family don't, she's no family living anywhere uh, near her and she doesn't have that support mechanism to support her when you would go uh, into court. And it's, it is probably the last thing you want to do. You're already battling, you're already struggling, you're trying to come to terms with the end of a marriage, you're looking at these three little children, you, you've got to raise your children, you know, you're doing your best to look after uh, the kids, but if you've got the financial worry on top of it, and it is frustrating to see the part then the dad set up home with another woman and her children as if he's you know moved on he seems to be doing uh, okay and yet he's not willing financially to look after you know his own children and I loved the line that he's he doesn't want access he's happy to pick up an adult relationship when the children are 18 you know will I straight away would say to him let's hope that your children want to pick up where you decided to leave off it wasn't the children's choice that daddy's going to vacate and I'll be back when you're 18 and you know come on I'll take you for a pint and we'll, we'll start an adult relationship what a bizarre bizarre thing for this man to say anyway and I know there will have been other people in the same situation there will be other people in the situation struggling to get uh, maintenance and you know going to work full time obviously not an option if the child care I know and we're not getting into the ages of the children except that they are young there's a lot of rearing left to be done on the children and childcare, we all know how expensive childcare is. So that's not going to be an option. And she's doing her bit already working part time just to, to, to try to keep the wolf from the door. But anyway, anyone got advice? Is going to court the only option? Does she just have to face up to it and get the strength from somewhere and go to court and, and go down that route? Is that the only option and the best option for her? Your thoughts welcomed on that, please, and any advice that you can give to uh, Lisa, our um, heartbroken and stressed out mother. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A machine driver is wanted for Cork City. It's for a seven and a half ton machine cleaning rubble and loading trucks. Hotel staff are required for Kinsale. They're also looking for spa therapists and commie chefs. Full-time maintenance technician is wanted. That's at Reliance Precision. They're based in Bandon. While a full-time play school assistant and a part-time after-school assistant, they are both wanted to work in Timaleague. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103. Uh, just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. 
Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And by the way, Home Help has contacted us, particularly with regard to the HSE, saying that none of the Home Helps, the health care support assistance as they're known now when they say that they work from 7am to 7pm and none of them are working at for 12 hours straight it's a split shift so it's not a 12 hour working day but a home help wants to point out that you're constantly watching the clock even when you're not working for the 12 hours you're not free to do anything because you know within so many hours you've got to go back and, and do more more work so your day is still not yourself yourself until you're finished at the end of the 12 hour even though it's not a 12 hour shift but at the when you've done your when you've been to your last client it's only then you feel you can relax but the day is just simply not your own. 1850-333-103. Now, the average waiting time for cataract surgery across the country is 29 months, but the longest waiting lists are here in Cork, with some people waiting as long as five years. Because of the delays, regular buses have been running from West Cork, going on now for about the last two years, bringing patients to Belfast for their cataract operations under the National Treatment Purchased Fund. While patients in Hollow are deciding to... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalised plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get in on the act and to find out more I'm joined by Cork Northwest Dáil Deputy Michael Moynihan Good morning to you Michael Good morning How are uh, you? I'm very well you, you're, you're welcome Now what has prompted you to organise a cataract bus? Well we have been facilitating uh, patients with cataract operations in uh, Belfast uh, ones and twos over the last uh, while and just looking at the, the numbers that are coming towards us uh, we decided that we would organise a bus um, in the end of August we had a date got from the uh, at the hospital uh, for the 30th and 31st of August that they'd go up on the Friday they'd have their initial consultation and they'd have the procedure on the Saturday morning and because we were organising we had um, a little bit earlier than this last year we had a member from the HSE came down to uh, a meeting in Cantor just to outline the process and what happened
happens in relation to the treatment fortress or the cross-border initiative as it is known and uh, you know a lot of people came to the very fine Monday evening I was thinking to myself as we were heading to the meeting that nobody would be there but a big crowd turned up because they had they wanted information in getting the procedures um, and a lot of people have availed of it but yeah um, and you will you will have people who will have family members who will be able to drive them and you know head up with them and they'll be able to go in their own cars but there are other people that don't have that not able to get there themselves you hit it on the nail on the head exactly other people have been doing it driving or going by train or whatever but there are people now that you know because of family circumstances or because of difficult, different situations, they're just not able to get that transport themselves or provide that transport either by public transport or whatever. So we have uh, got a date from the hospital, as far as, as I say, on the 30th and 31st, and we're organising a bus to do it now. We will, uh, the numbers, uh, people have been contacting us. We've got the word out, I suppose, uh, to the healthcare professionals, to the GPs and stuff, that we are organising this, and we are... Uh, uh, through your good program we are saying if there's anybody that, were, that are on the waiting list to contact us in our office and we will try and facilitate them with the numbers we are to give the numbers to the hospital over the next couple how of many, weeks. How many can you facilitate on the bus? Well what we are looking at at the moment we were hoping to get between 30 and 35 on the bus um, at the moment but that depends on numbers and if the numbers swell beyond that well then we'll obviously have to look at it but at, at the moment that's the kind of numbers that the hospitals are saying that they can give us on that Friday and Saturday. Now is, is that act, is that actual patients because obviously that, that's most, actual patients yeah, and then they would bring somebody with them just for a bit of support more they than anything. They would bring somebody with them that, that, what they have given us is that that's the kind of numbers that the hospital will give us on that date and then obviously So sorry any, so, so the hospital in Belfast could do between 30 and 35 patients on that day? On that day, that's what they're looking for, that they can do on that day that they're... Because it goes back to, it's such a quick procedure. It's a very quick procedure. And, you know, I suppose on the overall scheme of it, right, just, you know, it it really depresses me that we have to do this. I know. You know, that I just, uh, I suppose on the human side of it, like, you know, to ask people to have to travel to Belfast to get a procedure like this done really depresses me. And it's one of the issues that we've been following, particularly over a a wide range of health-related issues. And going back to your your comments there just before we started the programme in relation to home health as well. But to ask people to have to do this, but it is the only thing that's will help some people that can you know we organised one there very recently there was there were 83 their son was able to take them and look after them but they had the procedure done and dusted and you know they were able to you know reading or television or yeah. writing or yeah. driving any of the things that cataracts are going to prevent people from doing in their normal daily lives then they get the cataract operation done and then they can you know that it, it enhances their lives considerably and also you know they're not dependent on everybody then again you know it, it, it opens it up but they can do go back to what, the, the, what we're doing is we are looking anybody that's out there listening to your program this morning that wants to avail of the cataract operation in the Norcock region, the Duhalla region, or in anybody, we are facilitated on the 30th and 31st. You know, come on to us in the office uh, and we will make the necessary arrangements. We are looking for numbers now so that we can book accommodation uh, for people and go through the process of what needs to be done in terms of getting a referral letter from the GP and so yeah, forth. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you need to have medical records with you we, when, when, you're, when you're heading to Belfast? Obviously, we need to get medical records. We have to get the, the referral from the GP okay. on to the, the, the which isn't which hasn't been a problem for anybody. It, it hasn't been a problem. No, no. They, they, they are. I suppose they are the procedures that we 
have to go through, this is what we have to get, and people can get that. And, and you know, the people have contacted us over the last a week or 10 days since we started uh, the word out on the bus. You know, they have gone away and they've got their paperwork right. and they're going back to us. So it, there is a bit of paperwork to be done. There's no question about that. There's a bit of paperwork to be done. But that paperwork, that should start the process. Come on to us. We'll make the necessary arrangements. We'll give the details to the hospital. The hospital then will contact them individually to, you know, to go through what they have to do. And uh, I suppose then uh, we, we will, uh, the bus, and we will organise the accommodation uh, for them and we will go through all of that with them. Okay. And, and glowing uh, reports coming back from this hospital. Well, What's happening really is, from what we have facilitated over the last while, everybody has come back to us, you know, hugely impressed that it takes a short uh, length of time, it's over with, and have been very successful, and that they have benefited enormously from their sight being restored, uh, and that they have benefited enormously from it. And that's the word we're getting back on it. And then you get people that are coming to us and saying, can we do anything in relation to the waiting list on on the cock carry, which is the, you know, the 500 23 people waiting for cataract surgery in those um, two counties alone. And, like, this is a stopgap. It isn't ideal, but it is something that we can do or facilitate in the short term to help individual people out. And if we have a successful run on the bus from the Duhalla region and from the Norcock region over the next, uh, in the end of August, we certainly will be looking at it again. And what I would appeal to people is that if they are in that category, if they are waiting, please contact us immediately and we can make necessary arrangements and that we will uh, facilitate it as best Listen, Michael, you go, you go to the moon and back to hang on to your site. Yeah, you, you oh, really would. Can, can you just talk to us about the cost side of it and explain how that works? Well, the cost side of it, unfortunately, that is the downside of it, is that the cost side of it has to be paid, um, it pay, the hospital has to be paid and then there's a reimbursement. That money is being reimbursed from the HSE. There's an application to get it reimbursed. We will help with facilitating that as well okay. you know it's about 2,000 euros and uh, that has to be paid now you know people won't have that money readily available and that they may have to make arrangements to get that money the credit unions the credit unions have been brilliant in West Cork and I'm assuming they'll be the same in North Cork absolutely anyone that we have been facilitating and that have gone to their local credit union I couldn't sing highly enough the praises of them we get the letter from the reimbursement section you know and that they take the money for such a time now there is a bit of a delay that we have been trying to fight with the last file you know that normally it will be back in a couple weeks but we were saying now if they get a letter from the uh, reimbursement section that they're entitled to it the credit union then facilitated in every instance that we have uh, asked uh, some patient who has gone to Belfast under our advice and they have gone to the credit union, they, uh, any of the credit unions that are servicing our region, they have all come up trumps to uh, every single one of them have come up trumps in relation to it. Other people make different uh, uh, I suppose uh, facilities, you know, they look at family and everything else. There's a whole range, but yeah, that, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of money to have to come up with front, there's no doubt. But you it. will get it back, that's, you, that's you, the most... So, somebody, somebody's pointing out, and I'm assuming this is somebody that maybe has been, has, has done this procedure before, you need you must get a letter from your consultant, not your GP. Well, is that the, the case? G- the referral has to go to the GP and then they have to be on the consultant's waiting list. Okay, and, yeah. and when we get to this stage, they are? I mean, that's, that, that's, that, that's, that's the, the thing. The vast majority of people like that contact us 
you know, they're contacting us to see can we do anything with the waiting list or get on to somebody within the hospitals to get the procedure faster. So all of that is readily available to the vast majority of people that can avail of this. They can get their referral letters, their GP and their consultant referral letters. They have to be on the public, on the, on the waiting list. They mm-hmm. have to be on the waiting list. And that documentation is readily available to the vast majority of people. But they should get it. Uh, the cost, unfortunately, has to be up front. There is facilities made available through the trade unions. It will be reimbursed in full, and we will try and organise uh, the dates, the times. They would have to have somebody, accomp- any patient would have to have somebody accompanying them. Um, yeah, it's uh, just more for support than for anything. For support. And we're talking about elderly people as well. You wouldn't be putting elderly people on a bus without somebody going with them. Ivy in Clonakilty wants to know, uh, hi Patricia, just wondering if Brexit will affect this cross-border uh, initiative. Uh, no, at the moment we are being told that it won't affect it, it, that there is um, the necessary protocols being put in place. But this is something that I have been asking, you know, just to get the absolute clarity on will Brexit affect it now if there's an orderly I suppose if there's an orderly leave of Brexit I think it would be included in that but that is some of the concerns that we have to have to make sure that you know Brexit has a serious serious ramifications on a whole variety not just this but we are being informed that this will not be affected by it but in any event, the bus that we're organising on the 30th and 31st, it is still within Brexit, will not have happened by yeah. then. Uh, but we have to make arrangements after that. But for this occasion, like anybody that's out there listening to your programme, and I appreciate the opportunity, Patricia, to, for your programme to facilitate me coming on, anybody that's out there and that they want to evade of the cataract surgery, please contact us as soon as they can, and we will talk them through what they need to get and how we will facilitate it and okay. for times and, and so forth. And, and, and Michael, what's the solution uh, locally to, to try the to solution, end the, the waiting the, times? The solution locally, like if you look at it in, you know, in the cold light of day, like if you look at the hospital, like in, in the Cork Hospital, the Mallow and, and the Bantries, you know, there is fantastic facilities uh, within those hospitals and all those teasers should be used to the utmost degree and like it is about getting looking at it coldly and saying right we have we have 523 people on the waiting list we have the facilities but we don't have you know the throughput of people and it we it should be targeted in uh, like if you look at it like these surgeries or procedures that will take place in Belfast the HSC are going to reimburse the people for it so there's no if we could do it at home, if we could do it in Cork or any of the, 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 the hospitals within the Cork area or the, the, the southern region, like it would make economic sense or financial sense for the HSC to do it. But it is the true put of people. It is trying to make sure that all the facilities we have are used all the time to alleviate the cataract uh, crisis. And that cataract crisis is out there and people are suffering. You know, people that would be reading the papers just for simple stuff, you know, reading the papers on, the, on, on a continual basis, driving their car, you know, the, the, the daily stuff of life for them yeah. to do. And this cataract, they have a cataract and their eyesight is, is, is not uh, to what it should be. And they are concerned and they're anxious and everything else. And this is why I've taken the step of, uh, even though we facilitated individuals over the last while. This is your first time to, to, to do a bus. But op- yeah. optometrists, and we've spoken with them on this 
programme. They say that they could help by providing pre and post surgery checkups. And I've looked into this. A model like that is used in the United Kingdom and is, is used in other parts of uh, Europe. Surely that model has got to be looked at. It has to. And, uh, you know, in a lot of the discussions that we have, like the frustration in so many aspects of, of uh, dealing with the HSC, the, uh, my frustration anyway boils over because, you know, while they will privately tell you that this is good policy and this is the right thing to do, when you get into the nitty-gritty of it, they don't do it or that there's something stopping it or there's some issues in it. And, like, we shouldn't have to be doing this uh, for patients in the Duhala region to have to go to Belfast. It shouldn't be the case. And the, the, deep down, I believe, like, that if there was proper structures in place, that it shouldn't be happening. But, and, like, all of what you said there, like, that should be in place post and pre and post op, uh, advices. And, and uh, Yeah, everyone doesn't need to be going to the hospital all of the time. All of the time. In yeah. some cases, wasting the consultant's time. The consultant doesn't always need to see them either. OK, all right. Just to reiterate again, the it's the third, Friday the 30th, of August will be the day of the initial consultation and then people would have their procedure the following day, Saturday the uh, 31st and your office in Canturk. That's right, at 029-51299. Okay, uh, if, people, if people want to hop on the uh, bus out of Duhalo, heading up to Belfast for cataract operations. We'll keep in contact with you, Michael, in the meantime. Thank you for that. Thank and you very much, uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, uh, appraise your listeners of what we're doing. Well, thank you our, very much. Thank you for that. Bye-bye. Uh, ha- only too happy to get the message out to people because we've done so many interviews about the buses from uh, West Cork, and we inevitably will get a call and say, is there anybody organising one from North Cork? So there's one from the Johallow area. 1850 333 103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 086 2103103 with a reminder that your pet questions, you can get those into us uh, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us after half past 12 today. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And when we were talking about the cataract operations and that bus that's hoping to travel from the Duhalo area to Belfast for the cataract procedures, the Douglas listener says, Trish, in case anyone listening is nervous about having the procedure, can I say, as an absolute coward with a terror of hospitals, I've had both my eyes done, both cataracts removed, and I sailed through the procedure. Jessica Douglas sister thank you for that I appreciate that text to 0862103103 we're going to go to Formoy Guard the station where Sergeant John Kelly joins us uh, for this week's uh, Guard file good morning to you John good morning uh, and you're welcome to the program and you want to thank start you. with a couple of break-ins yeah a couple of break-ins um two of them are from uh, are from the Middleton district but I just want to just raise awareness of them from the point of view of uh, what happened in both instances. In one instance now, um, there are factory premises under construction below Mugila. It was in the final stages of construction. So there was an awful lot of various contractors on site. As a result, there had been a lot of tools on site as well. So Thursday, two weeks ago, uh, overnight between 9 o'clock and half 7 in the morning, uh, the, the, the premises was entered. It was a large, large, uh, covers a large amount of ground. They got in and they went to where toolboxes were stored, cut them open and uh, would have come away with a lot of tools. So anywhere, any building sites, 
you know, anywhere like that where, where large amounts of tools are being stored, just to raise awareness of it, that tools are being beginning to be stolen now more frequently as the economy has picked up in the last number of years and, and for people to be aware of that. Um, the second instance I have there below in Middleton, and this again is something that could be replicated anywhere in the division, where an ESB station, uh, they broke into overnight and for rolls of copper cable. Now we saw in the past as well, and this is something, because of the price of copper, um, we saw in, in the Donrail and Mallow area there before, uh, where, where indeed even lines were taken down out mm. in the country at night. Haven't so seen it in a while though, it was one of those haven't tests. Haven't seen that it was in a while. Yeah. But, I mean, when you see this happening uh, again, uh, you know, you could see this starting. So for people to be aware of it as they're driving around or coming back from somewhere late at night, they, you know, just keep their weather eye open for any vans uh, parked in unusual areas um, and, you know, just pick up the phone, put in the number as a, as a kind of a dial number. Um, where you, you know, everyone has a phone with them. You know, it's the easiest way to record the number. Uh, you know, remember, uh, you know, to take a picture. If you do see a van, take a picture or whatever, if you do find something unusual, you know. Um, the, another incident that I have, and that's um, there St. Joseph's Foundation there in Baker's Road in Charleville, a break into uh, a shed at the rear. Again, gardening equipment was what was taken. Now, that happened between Monday the 1st of, the, of July last and Thursday the 4th of July last. You know, so again, we'd appreciate anyone in the Charleville area, if they saw anything occurring, on the grounds of St. Joseph's there between the 1st and the 4th, if they could give us a call. Now, again, That's a particularly you know, mean crime, you know, when St. Joseph's Foundation working mean. with, uh, with people with special needs. How shocking. Everyone is aware of the great work that St. Joseph's has yeah. done in, in Charleville and the greater Norcock area. And it's a particularly mean crime. Yeah. You know, and um, for people... Just to be aware, if they see anything, again, and it extends to any school, if they see unusual activity over, over, the, over the summer period, you know, pick up the phone, ring it in, you know, at least have it checked out because, you know, there's oil tanks, there's, you know, there's everything there. Mm. Um, so for people just to be aware of it. Um, the next item that I just want to mention, and I've mentioned it already there a few weeks ago, uh, this occurred below in Trebulgan. Now, the, you know, family holiday centre, uh, there was a man going about his business. He lost his wallet. The wallet was found by two two youths. Okay. And those two youths managed to put through about five different transactions within the space of a couple of hours. Now, it was very easy afterwards. I mean, the, the very, very good and extensive CCTV system down there allowed the crime to be solved Great. straight away. But I'm just referencing it from the point of view of everyone has the tap-and-go cards yeah. inside in the pockets pocket now it's convenient perhaps it's too convenient but it also means that if you lose that card you know a number of transactions can be uh, put through uh, until you've reported it missing until you report it missing exactly exactly Um, just a couple of uh, bits of advice there to to finish with Um, yesterday uh, Sergeant John O'Leary just rang me to let me know there was a fraudulent collection uh, door to door being taken up yesterday in Mallow for people just to be aware of it and okay. just be aware um, now they purported to, to be collecting for, for the helicopter ambulance service yeah. uh, you, you know they had not, yeah, yeah. absolutely nothing nothing whatsoever to do with it no permits in place nothing like that it has 
nothing to do with well, you know what is a good very so good while it was mallow yesterday they could turn up somewhere else today exactly and yeah. I think they just picked the name because it's yeah. a name that people are very familiar with yeah name. yeah and there's a lot you of know. publicity around it because it's about to go airborne yeah so exactly so, so just, if somebody is collecting just make sure they have a permit just yeah. make sure that they have identification and that you are happy giving out money that you've worked hard for you know, to uh, to a charity of your choice. And if it's you know? a genuine charity collector, they're not going to take umbrage to you saying, can I not have a look all. at your at your not. ID, please? Of course not. In in fact, a lot of people, you know, they're going to be, you know, very, very happy to, you, you know... To, to hand it over. Show, to hand it over. And not a quick flash of something is not what you're looking at. You actually take it in your hand, you look at it, and if you're still not happy, you can make a Did phone you? call, you know, the whole lot. Precisely. Precisely. You know, close out the door, don't part with your money, yeah. you know, and and ring ahead. Um, the final thing there, Patricia, I just want to uh, just reference, you know, we're in a busy time of year out the country, you know, in rural areas. The hay has been cut, uh, silage has been cut, you know, there's a lot of silage machinery moving. And in fairness, when you see a silage outfit moving from one farm to the other, you know, they have all their flashing lights, you, you, you know, they travel, you, you know, at a, at, a, at a reasonable speed when they're moving from time to time. Now, when they get drawing, but, you know, at the way that things have gone over the last number of years, farms, in some cases, you know, outside farms have been bought, and they can be now very fragmented. Some farmers are uh, renting land that could be two or three miles from where they're storing their silage. So you have you have um, silage being drawn quite long distances. Now, I suppose tractors are one and a half times bigger what, than they were 20 or 30 years ago, mm. you know. And now, it's natural that children are going to be drawn to big machinery if they see it moving. Um, there's going to be people, you know, mothers walking with their children, fathers walking with their children. Cycling has gone a lot more popular past, past I mean, you know, in country areas. But, you know, for people, for the contractors and the people that have the contractors working for them, just to be aware, some of the outfits, there is a budding Lewis Hamilton, uh, you know, in some of those outfits that you need to have a cautionary word of advice with from time to time. Because yeah. I've met them myself, and there's plenty of people have asked me just to mention it as a, at some stage. You know, there is one, there is one or two out there. You know, I I know one, I know one silage outfit, and they have a, a kind of an over twenty one rule as regards uh, who's driving for them. So please, if you are the person that has a particular silage outfit, and if you know there's one. Young fella, and he's driving, you know, way worse, way more faster than any of the others. Please, a cautionary word of advice could prevent an accident on our roads um, and for people to be aware of it. Yeah, they'll, they'll either kill themselves or kill somebody else. You know, exactly, and lives yeah. will be destroyed. OK, all right. Listen, thank you for that, John. Thank you very much. For Have a good week. We'll talk you. again. Uh, bye bye. That is Sergeant John Kelly, who uh, joins us from Formoygar at the station. 1850 Your pet questions, please. If you have a pet question for Jane, get it in. We're also going to be talking about the farmers' protest that uh, went on outside Dole Air, and that's all in the next hour.
That's music from John Parr on C103 and that is St. Elmo's Fire. Two pairs of tickets now up for grabs for the Everyman presenting the odd a couple. It runs in the Everyman from July 16th to August 17th. Uh, it is described as a fast-paced and wickedly funny caper. And we have two pairs of tickets to The Odd Couple for next Wednesday night's performance on the 17th of June to give away. OK, we're doing this by text uh, 0862103103 and we'll give you about 10 minutes to enter and then we'll randomly select our two winners. I have three, I will call out three couples. One of them is an odd couple in that they're not meant to be together and you've got to work out which is the odd couple and you can do A, B and C if that's easier for you along with your name and address. So our three couples today. Couple A, Aidan Turner and Sarah Green. Couple B, David Beckham and Jane O'Donnell. And couple C, Bill Collin and Jackie Lavin. Now one of those is an odd couple in that they shouldn't be together, which is the odd couple. Aidan Turner and Sarah Green. That's couple A, couple B, David Beckham and Jane O'Donnell and couple C, Bill Collin and Jackie Lavin. If you want to be on the chance of winning a pair of tickets to The Odd Couple, tell us now which one. The Odd Couple, please. 0862 103 103 along with your name and address. And while we're waiting on that, let me just go to some of the calls and comments that have been coming in this morning. Here's an interesting text in from a listener. Say, hi Patricia. My son did his driving test this morning and he was asked road signs. You know, they ask you to identify road signs. There was two in particular that we have never seen. We've tried all of the books. One in particular is a sign in a white background with four or five thin black lines on a slant. What is that road sign? By the way, he failed. I think it is unfair, says this, I don't know if it's a mum or dad, to ask these questions when they're not in the books. But the instructor asked them anyway. Now, please don't say he's... He, failed because he didn't know two road signs but anyway let's get back to trying to identify what this road sign is a white background with four or five thin black lines while the news was on I did a bit of snooping around online and I think the road sign is a road sign that was introduced in when was in 2015 it was a new sign that was introduced because the way you describe it, uh, diagonal black lines on a white background and there is one, two, three, there are five black lines on the white background and they were introduced by the Department of Transport. They are a sign saying it is 80 kilometres per hour even though there's no number on it. Those new signs came in in 2015 to replace the 80 kilometre sign on tertiary roads so on the rural roads and they were and, and I remember doing an interview about them I'm sure at the time and there was a delay with some of the local authorities putting them in place and now that I think about it I don't even know if I've seen I'm going to have to re, of course now that I've mentioned it everywhere I go I bet you I'll be seeing these road signs but it's the new or it was in 2015 the new rural speed limit sign so instead of having an 80 kilometre sign on a local ter- tertiary road they were putting up these new signs instead, which is diagonal black lines and a white background. I'm assuming that that was the sign that your son was shown. And you've looked through all the books that you have, Rules of the Road and that, and you can't find it. I'm assuming that's it. Can anybody else clarify that? A white background with four or five black lines in a slant. Is that the one? 
you think that's the one that he was that this young lad was shown uh, today but very disappointing to have failed and I'm hoping he didn't fail can you fail on not knowing two road signs maybe you can it's got it's, Long, long time since I did my driving test, but it is devastating to fail. It really is. 1850-333-103. Tell him don't lose heart. And I know there's a cost factor. Tell him reapply again if you if his instructor thinks he's ready to do uh, the test. Tell him get, just get back in the saddle and just get straight back out there and get a, get a new date. And hopefully he'll pass second time round. We were talking about cataract operations in the last hour. And in particular talking about the delays for cataract operations here in the South. There are delays all over the country, but here in the South, we have some of the longest waiting lists, and therefore the longest waiting times for cataract operation. But a listener says, Patricia, I have eye problems. They're diabetes, diabetes related, but I've ended up with cataracts. But within the last eight months, I've had both of my eye operations and procedures done here uh, in uh, Cork. It is, according to this listener, the consultant's who picks and chooses the people to go forward first for the operation. It's not where you're you're at on the waiting list. It is up to the consultant. I'd had my first surgery done and I was told I would need to have second eye done. And I I said to him, I suppose I'll be waiting two two to three years. And he said, no, I'll bring you forward. It'll be done in a few months. Now, do... I take it you were more serious because your cataracts was diabetes related, I wonder. It you would like to think that priority is given to people who need it the most, wouldn't you wouldn't you? That's not always the case because I know we certainly would have some of the cataract patients who have gone on the bus out of West Cork. I remember there was one elderly man who was caring for his wife and he was actually going blind. He had no choice and he his GP had been on to the consultant, had been on to the hospital, you know, explaining the situation that, you know, this man urgently needs to be done, but nothing was happening. But maybe when it's on a medical ground, is is that the reason that it happens? I don't know. But anyway, it's a good point. It doesn't matter how long you're on the list. If somebody comes in and the consultant feeds, they're more needy than you, then they you they jump ahead of you. Is that the fairest way? Will people agree with that? I think it's the fairest way if it's there's a medical reason. But then I'm thinking of the people, I'm thinking of that elderly man caring for his wife at home and terrified that if he lost his eyesight that they'd both end up in full-time care, which is what he didn't want and certainly what his wife didn't want. If you're handing out priority lists, wouldn't you be putting him top of a list? I mean, where do you draw the line on? How do you decide on priority? Is it just purely on medical grounds? Or do you need to take the social aspect uh, into it as well? 1850 We were talking about Brexit earlier on. A listener says, will people ever stop causing, will England, sorry, ever stop causing trouble? Why don't they just go and leave the rest of us get on with it? Listening to their great British bull, we're sick of their Brexit, says a, a texter. But the problem is if they do just go we may be sicker still if they go without any kind of a deal. I think that's the, the real the real problem. But somebody, here's a little bit of positivity from, there's no name on this. Do you really think that Germany will let the United Kingdom crash out of the EU? It will be more difficult for the German economy economy if that was to happen. So when it comes down to the wire, a deal will be done. Oh, 
I shall take that positivity with me and keep my fingers crossed and hope that you are uh, right. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And a couple of people have been on offering a little bit of advice to Lisa. Remember the listener who contacted us whose husband has left her for another model. God, I should say that was an unfair thing. Her husband, the marriage is broken down and her husband has moved in with a, a new partner who has children as well, by the way, obviously from a previous uh, relationship. She's been left on her own. He's refusing, refusing to pay full maintenance. He's giving her 50 euro a week. He says that's all he can afford. She's disputing it. They, the husband along with the new partner and the children not his children, the children of the partner, went away on a son holiday. How could they afford that if they can't afford to pay maintenance? He has his own business. He's disputing the business isn't doing well. She disputes that and says it is. And she's, you know, she's not looking for the sun, moon and stars. She just wants enough maintenance so that she can raise, as she says, their beautiful children. She is working part time. She can't afford to work full time because she can't afford the childcare costs. She doesn't have any family living locally that can help her out with the childcare costs. And she, I think deep down she knows she's going to have to go to court. But she said she just doesn't have the strength at the moment to go down the court route. As she said, she's dealing with the heartache and the rejection. But it is the rejection of her children, I think, that she's finding the hardest. And she just doesn't want to go into that. She dreads the idea of going into that whole scenario, fighting it all out in court. And was looking for advice. Is there any other way of doing it without going to court? How can she make this guy, man, see sense that he has to pay for his children. And the one that got to me in the email, he's not looking for access to the children. He says that when the children are 18, he will pick up an adult relationship with them. As I said at the time, I hope that stays fine from. Somebody says, if that man won't pay for his children, then Lisa should go to her local social welfare office and explain that they can advise her on how to get the money out of his wages. But he's self-employed because he has his own business. So I don't know if that's possible or not, but it's it certainly might be it might be worth Lisa's. Well, because she doesn't want to go to court, so maybe popping into social welfare might help. Might might help. Thank you for that. And Christine in court says, uh, tell Lisa to try a mediation service. It would certainly save having to go to a court. Yeah, and there's an excellent mediation service in uh, Cork. If we try and track down names and numbers. But in order to do that, he has to agree does he both I mean the very fact of mediation he has to agree as well it's as if he's kind of washed his hands as if he's just moved on like you know she says the marriage breakdown and marriages do break down you know it's you know, unfortunately you, you don't get married planning that it's going to break down but it does and they do but you like to think that you know each side when you get over the pain of it all and the rejection and the heartbreak that you can move on but you, the children don't ask to be caught up in that scenario and they didn't ask to be the product of a broken marriage and they certainly didn't ask to for to be living with mam who's stressed out of her head because she's fearful that she doesn't have enough money to put food on the table or you know she was talking about the back to school costs and going into charity shops and she's managed she had a great little budget or I'll give her that going into charity shops to buy the school uniforms and to get over the cost of that because he's not contributing €50 Euro is, is the most he reckons he can give her and he's not giving her a cent more and he feels because he's giving that that that's, you know, that's his bit done and dusted. 
needs some mediation might be the way forward but I think he needs to agree to that as well and I don't know if that's going to happen or not 1850 333 103 and JJ Murphy says Hi Patricia would you just ever say a big shout out to all of the people of Cork who travelled from all corners of the county and indeed all corners of Ireland to head to Dublin yesterday to protest about the future Mercursor trade deal and the falling beef prices. Great support from all and everyone who travelled. They should be proud of themselves, says JJ Murphy. And actually, JJ, we're going to be talking about that with one of the organisers of that protest in a couple of minutes. Keep your pet questions coming, please. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 086 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Kildallery Community Lotto Draw. That's taking place in Sheen's Bar tonight. The jackpot there is €1,900. Ballonhasic Community Development will have a fundraising Kaylee in the Marion Hall in Ballonhasic tomorrow night. Music by Jerry McCarthy and dancing from 9.45 p.m. PM. Trina Family Fun Day is taking place this Saturday, 13th of July. Lots of activities planned from 4pm onwards in the Cannon Crowley Park. Bouncy Castle, face painting, athletics, soccer, egg and spoon race and sack race and much, much more. And a charity vintage and classic car run will be held next Sunday, 14th of July, leaving from the Golden Vale Mart in Kilmallock at 12 noon. Registration will open at 10 on Sunday morning and the day is in memory of Kevin, who passed away unexpectedly two years ago and proceeds will go to the Irish Heart Foundation and Blood Bike Midwest. Refreshments, music and raffle afterwards in the Golden Vale Bar. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And you can stop texting us on our odd couple competition. Our winners today, Idel McCarthy of Willsgrove Enniskeen. Congratulations, Idel. And Mary O'Shea of Ballygown in Donorell. Correctly identifying that it was the David Beckham and Jane O'Donnell was the odd couple that should have been David Beckham and Victoria Beckham. So well done. You've each won a pair of tickets to go along and see The Odd Couple in The Everyman next Wednesday night and we'll do it all over again tomorrow. So you can stop texting us on that, leaving the text message service free for you to send in a pet question, please, for Jane, our resident vet. Uh, 1850 333 103. If you want to ring Bernie with your pet questions, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now, up to 2,500 farmers marched on Leinster House yesterday to protest against the EU's Mercursor trade deal amid fears it will devastate the beef industry. Helen O'Sullivan from Bantry is a member of the National. National Committee of the Beef Plan Movement who organised the protest yesterday and uh, Helen was there and she, she joins me today. Good afternoon to you, Helen. Afternoon, Patricia. Uh, Thank you for having me on your show. Well, you're very welcome. Um, what was the mood like at the protest yesterday? Uh, well, first of all, Patricia, I just would like to thank um, all of the people um, for coming out in numbers yesterday. Uh, people as far back as the Bear Peninsula were up at four in the morning to be on a bus in Bantry at five. Uh, to make their way to the Dáil to fight for their livelihoods, I suppose, like the farmers had to do in 1966. Um, the farmers were very angry and frustrated yesterday, Patricia. Um, their livelihoods are at risk here. And, you know, we've been through enough in the beef industry um, besides this now as well, because if this deal goes ahead, 
um, to definitely the finish of beef farming here in Ireland. Yeah, and uh, explain to listeners what, to, from a non-farming background, what the McCurser deal is all about and how it will directly affect you and your industry. Um, if the Mercosur deal goes ahead, Patricia, um, it will allow 99,000 tonnes of uh, unregulated cheap beef into the EU. Now, already we are saturated with beef. Um, you know, it's new markets we should be looking for and not taking in more beef. Um, if this happens, like, you know, our livelihoods will be put at risk because um, we cannot compete with the South American farmers. It's not a level, level playing pitch by no means. They can produce their beef for two seventeen a kg, where it costs us roughly around five thirty eight per kg. So um, how how are they doing it for two seventeen? Well, you see, none of their cattle are regulated. They don't have to jump jump through the hoops that we have to jump through, yeah. Patricia. I mean, there's regulation after regulation here in this country, and there's an awful lot of anti competitive practices here as well. You know, affecting the, the um, marketability of our cattle. Uh, you know, out in, out in Brazil, they don't even have tags on their cattle. You know? but, but it also means we get the best uh, the best beef and the safest beef, doesn't it? We have it? the best beef in the world here, Patricia. Yeah. We have the best system here. All of our cattle here are on a grass-fed system. Yeah. In South America, you know, they're fed, pumped with grain and pumped with hormones. You know, they have no traceability, no regulation whatsoever. But I suppose there's a price to pay for quality. Yeah. And this, this is what we have here in Ireland. It's a quality prime product, you know, and it should be marketed better and we should be getting a fair price for the product that we're producing. But cost is always a factor, isn't it? And your fear is that if the beef comes in and it's on the shelf and it's at half the price of what, or whatever, a third off what the, beef, what the Irish beef is, your fear is that consumers will go for the cheaper product. Yes, and, you know, we don't blame the consumer for going for a cheaper product because all households are on a budget. You know, if they're yeah. going to see a cheaper cut of meat on the shelf, you know, they're saying, why not go for this? As opposed to go for our Irish um, product here. Again, I suppose it's down to quality. It's down to knowing where your beef came from, knowing they came off of a grass-fed system as opposed to being locked into pins or yards uh, where they're fed, pumped with hormones and fed with grain. And we've absolutely zero traceability on those animals coming here to the country. And um, Whereas we know exactly, I mean, I, there's more traceability following our cattle now, Patricia, in this country than what we know about our relations. I mean, there's a savage amount of pressure being put on the farmers for years and years. And I think it's very hypocritical of Commissioner Hogan to be pressurising farmers here for the last number of years to cut down on beef production and to plant trees. And here he is, on the other hand, wanting to bring in a deal where the rainforests are being cut down to make way for beef production. I think it's very hypocritical. And I don't blame the farmers to be up in arms over this because it's their livelihoods that are are, are at risk here. And they expressed that angry um, angriness yesterday and frustration because they just can't put up with any more. Yeah, you know, but then can. then I I heard the agriculture minister Michael Creed arguing that farm uh, uh, urging farmers not to desert the government over the Mercosur trade deal, saying it's not a done deal and that Ireland can still make changes to protect the farming sector. Do you take any comfort from that? We don't really, um, we don't really, Patricia, because that's only something just to keep the farmer quiet, so that they'll do nothing up until such time that it'll be passed. I think every farmer needs to get out now. And everybody in rural Ireland needs to get out now and have their voices heard now because there's actually a motion being passed, to, passed today um, or was sorry, this is this, passed yesterday. This is the Sinn Féin one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, to reject the Mercer deal. So I'm urging every Fianna Fáil TD here in the country and every TD to back the Sinn Féin motion 
which is to reject the Mercosur deal, uh, because that vote is happening today. And so, of course, the Mercosur deal is is it's a big, it's a wider trade trading arrangement. It isn't just about uh, beef, but it's almost a sense that the beef farmers are being sacrificed. I was just going to say that, Patricia. The beef farmers they seem to be the sacrificial lamb in all of this. Yeah, you know, I know there could could be more positives for for this deal, but definitely not here in the beef sector. Definitely not for rural Ireland here. I mean, if this deal will go ahead, Patricia, you're talking about seven hundred million of a loss. To, the, to Ireland alone and 7 billion of a loss to the EU. So why use the beef industry and the uh, rural Ireland section here of Ireland uh, to be the sacrificial lamb for the likes of Germany to export their cars, you know, over to South America and because the other countries are making the money out of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's us here then, our livelihoods are being put at risk. It's, I think it's a very unfair deal. Um, farmers are not going to sit down and take it this time. You know, we're sitting down and taking off for the past number of years we have the whole uncertainty of Brexit. We currently export up to 300,000 tonnes of beef to the UK. We don't know what's going to happen there, Patricia. Mm. You know, that if that deal goes ahead, I'd say it'll be between that now and the Mercosur deal, you couldn't give away cattle. That's and you're, and you're already struggling? We've been struggling. This isn't a thing that has um, happened overnight at all, Patricia. This, the whole thing in the beef industry has been struggling for the last 15 to 20 years. Um, there's too many anti-competitive practices there, um, you know, diminishing the marketability of our beef. We've, I've met Mr. Creed personally. I've asked them to remove several of these conditions on behalf of the beef plan movement, i.e. the four-movement rule, the four-movement uh, rule, sorry, and the, you know, the age limits, the 30 months for steers and heifers. Feedlots, factory feedlots are another thing that we farmers can compete with, you know. Uh, the, cattle can, the factories can control the price of the cattle here in Ireland and has been going on for a number of years and all of those anti-competitive practices will have to be abolished and instead of taking money off of the farmers uh, they should try and help the farmer make money because there is money to be actually made in beef Patricia but unfortunately it's not the farmer that's making the money it's the factories and the retailers and just to give you an idea of that there because I'm not sure if a lot of the consumers are aware of this but the um, the beef plan movement done a survey and what we done was um, we went around to various supermarkets throughout Cork and throughout the country. And um, if you spend ten euros, if the consumer spends ten euros today in beef, yeah, the retailer gets five euro ten for three days' work. The processor gets two ninety for three days' work, and the farmer Patricia gets two euros for two years' work. My That's God, twenty percent. My God, two, you know, wait two years for that. Yeah. I mean, there's no. It's a great. It's a. It's a. It's a fantastic an analogy and a breakdown, yeah. and, a, and it really yeah. shows that it's the farmer gets uh, the least out of it. So there was um, the wellies. Who came up with the idea of bringing all the wellies yesterday? By the yeah, way, yeah, I suppose it was kind of it was. Um, I suppose it was a joint effort there on the national committee, the beef plan national committee. I suppose, in fairness, again, I want to thank all of the members on the car committee. They're outstanding, and all of the members um, on the committees throughout of Ireland. Everyone really put their shoulder to the wheel to make yesterday a success. And um, it kind of came from a few of the people there on the, you know, in the National Committee. And it was a great idea. It was to symbolise, you know, um, if this deal goes ahead, you know... We the wellies will no longer be needed. Yeah, you know? yeah. And there you see well, the little wellies there for the children and for the next generation. Yeah, yeah. They won't have a future in farming. OK, you know it, it, so. it obviously doesn't end uh, here, Helen. No, Patricia. Um, I, just to let everybody know, this is only the start of it. Okay. The government, because the farmers 
And it's not just the farmers. There'll be a knock-on effect, Patricia, for everybody. You're talking about schools, co-ops, factories, GA clubs, you know, everybody in the agri sector, the agri stakeholders, they'll all be affected as well. You're losing all these jobs to rural Ireland. You know, we don't want this to happen. Um, you know, we want everyone to know that rural Ireland is alive and open for business, and that's the way we want to keep it. So we want everyone to back us in this, not just people in rural Ireland, but people throughout Ireland. Because, I mean, it's our only chance, and I think people power is very important. You saw there where the um, the old age pensioners had to come out and fight against the water charges, and in fairness, they came out in numbers, and they got that, that um, law changed, and fair play to them. But I must say, fair play to all the farmers yesterday and to everyone that came out and made yesterday such a success. And, and they I came from, all, from all, over, all over the country. All over. All over the country. As far country. back as right. the Peninsula, up at four o'clock in the morning, to yeah. Roscommon, Galway, to the other side of the country. Fair play and hats off to them. All right. But this will only be the start of it, Patricia. If this doesn't, um, if the government can't wake up and see the, the way we are struggling here in Northern Ireland, There'll be a lot more to come. We'll talk again, Helen. Thank you for that. Thanks for taking time Thank out to talk today. Good, good afternoon. Bye bye. That is Helen O'Sullivan. Helen is from Bantry and she's a member of the National Committee of the Beef Plan Movement. And they were the group that organised that uh, protest uh, yesterday. Uh, 1850-333-103. I've read out about the winners I have. Just let me wrap up on some texts in and keep your pet questions coming, please, for uh, Jane. Margaret in McCroom was on. She went on one of the cataract buses to Belfast a few months ago, one of the ones that was organised by Deputy Michael Collins in West Cork. But she's an interesting story to tell and that she asked her GP for the referral letter that Michael Moynan says that you need to get, you know, there's a bit of paperwork involved, but once you get it all rolling, it's all easy enough. But our Margaret in McCroom came up with a problem. Her GP refused to give her the referral letter to go to Belfast. He said Belfast was taking customers away from the HSE. Hang on a tick now, Dr. Bob. They're not taking customers away from the HSE. These are people who would love to be customers of the HSE, but the HSE won't take them in or they're making them wait an excessive period of time. Anyway, Margaret said enough is enough. What did our Margaret do? She changed doctors. The new doctor gave her a referral letter and she went to Belfast and she just said her sight is so much better now. Thank you for that uh, Margaret and it'll give comfort to people who are planning on going as well uh, to know that it is such, such a successful uh, operation. And also in on WhatsApp there was a lovely Peace. Oh yeah, this is um, from Declan. Thank you Declan for this to say hi Patricia and John, uh, John, John Paul's on holidays. Actually it's Bernie's filling in from uh, great shows I was thinking. Uh, great, uh, quick text to say how sad we all are here in Crookstown to hear of the passing of Brendan Grace. May he rest in peace. Such a wonderful entertaining and kind man. We were privileged last year to have Brendan Grace officially open our Crookstown Village show. The night before the opening, Brendan entertained a packed hall here in Crookstown with his show, full of stories, songs and hilarious jokes. After which, he spent time taking photographs, signing cards and shaking hands with the audience members. R.I.P. Brendan and condolences to your family and uh, friends thinking of you. And that is uh, from Declan and the um, Crookstown Vintage uh, Group. And Declan sent on just gorgeous photographs of Brendan on, I'd say that was the opening of the festival on like the back of a of a truck and then he's in a lovely vintage car and he's um, 
he's with, there's a picture of him with Declan Corcoran and Roisin is that Declan's daughter just just lovely and people have so many happy and fond memories of of um, Brendan Grace and, and he'll be remembered for, for a long long time to come that is for sure OK these are I can see questions coming in for questions coming in for Jane could you keep those coming please uh, because she will be answering all of your questions I'm just quickly seeing that I've got down through all of the texts and the comments I think I have okay and uh, we did uh, I did announce our winners but just once again Adele McCarthy from Wills Grove in Enniskeen and Mary O'Shea Ballygown and Donnerwell they are the winners of our odd couple tickets Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And Jane uh, Pickett uh, joins me in the studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Uh, from the Island Wood Veterinary Practice, part of the v- Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins us in studio. Okay, now there was a question that came in from last week and I promised I would ask it first today. And it was from a listener in the city. He says, hi, Jane. I have a 13-year-old Shih Tzu who keeps licking. He licks his toys, my hands, my face. It happens every night. What's the cause uh, of it? And is there any way to stop it? Just excessive. Mm. It sounds like a really excited dog, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Now, if this is a big change for your dog, then yeah, maybe it is something a little bit unusual. But this, if this is something he's always done, it might just be part of his normal behaviour. Now, it depends. If something has changed in the environment that might be, let's say, worrying him a little bit or causing some unrest, and sometimes it could be the tiniest thing, you'd be surprised. It might be kind of displacement, so he's distracting himself. It's kind of like us biting our nails, in a way. Um, Sometimes we see that, that they start taking on odd behaviours that there's no particular reason for um, as a little bit of a distraction. Sometimes it can be to get your attention if they're feeling particularly, let's say, needy or attached um, and usually the cause of that is that something is not quite right and they might just be feeling a little bit off in themselves or something in their environment has upset them a little bit again if it's something he's always done it's probably just his normal behaviour mm. but if it is a distinct change I'd be thinking about his environment has anything upset him um, or could he perhaps even be painful himself or be feeling a little bit ill so have a little bit of a think about his normal habits and routines so his activity levels his eating his drinking um, and just make sure that everything seems quite normal for him if you're in any doubt and you are concerned about him if it is a big change I pop him to the vet just for a little health check more kind of precautionary measure mm. rather than anything else and particularly in our older patients being kind of 13, 14 that's the point at which we start to look out for maybe a few little illnesses in our older patients it's like Things ourselves as we get wrong. a bit older yeah, so yeah. maybe just as a precautionary but if measure But if it is just a bad, it's a bad habit that he's been doing for 13 years I'm just thinking of, it's something that pops do yeah. Should you try and discourage it? No I, no, I wouldn't say so It's not going to cause anybody any bother as such, um, if a pup was doing it non-stop or kind of nibbling and biting on things, sometimes we think about that um, as kind of like teething, let's say classically yeah. in the puppies, it can be a behaviour, but that disappears normally. If it is something that they're licking or chewing at things non-stop and it's not, let's say, their feet, it's not, let's say, a, a symptom of itching, as it were, um, then sometimes just providing them with a lot of mental stimulation and a lot of kind of attention, as it were. Yeah. Sometimes it can be boredom, yeah. particularly in any age. So I can, I'd take them for lots of walks give them lots of play lots of toys try and try and get that brain working Okay my 8 year old poodle seems to have what's been described as a slight froth around her mouth only noticed it a month ago she's eating and drinking well her hair is long around her mouth 
Could that have anything to do with do with this some patent skibbereen? Yeah, I think if it was a one-off foaming around the mouth, sometimes dogs and cats, if they've, let's say, felt a little bit nauseous or feel like they want to vomit, sometimes they can be a little bit foamy around the mouth um, and it's kind of just like drooling, as yeah. it were. <laughs> and it can look a lot more obvious, particularly when they do have a bit of a beard or long hair around the mouth. Now, sometimes foaming can be associated with other things, like, for example, scarier things like a, a dog or a little cat having a seizure. Um, so sometimes we see foaming at the mouth. But I'm assuming that's not what's happened here if it was a one-off instance of foam around the mouth and we've been absolutely fine since in eating drinking fine no vomiting or diarrhea and good activity i wouldn't be too worried mm. to be honest i'd say just keep a little weather eye out for it happening again but i'd say i'd say as long as you, everything else is good we're you're fine. okay uh, hi any advice on how to stop an 11 month old pup from digging holes in the lawn and chewing and swallowing stones now the chewing and swallowing stones can be an issue, can't it? It really can be a massive, yeah. massive issue. Little dogs um, eating things they're not meant to is the bane of my life. <laughs> yeah. um, it's one of those things and it can go disastrously wrong. So let's say if a puppy or even an older dog that has is in the habit of eating or chewing stones or other objects around, sometimes they might just pass through and come out the other end. And I suppose that's the ideal situation if they're going to eat them at all. But a lot of the time they do cause a blockage and that can be very serious. So they'll either get blocked in the stomach um, or lower down in the intestines. So kind of the food pipe beyond the stomach. Now, this can be life threatening in cases. And sometimes if there is a blockage that is causing no more food can move past us past it so we see classic signs like vomiting tummy pain just generally not wanting to eat and feeling quite unwell and I would say that if you ever notice those signs and you know your dog is a chewer or an eater of stones pop to the vet straight away that's an operation um, then is it right? usually yeah. is yeah. to be honest now and would you see all sorts come out all sorts Absolutely all sorts. I think the most weirdest thing I ever took out of um, a dog or a cat was, you know, the little elastic bands that you put on your hair to tie up your hair if you're a yeah. female with hair long bobble. hair. As yeah. Hair bobbles. I took 32 out of those out of a cat's stomach once. That was the weirdest thing I've ever retrieved. Oh my God. I know, yeah. It's not what you expect when you go in. <laughs> Normally it's more 32 normal. 32 Yeah, it was very odd. Um, and the cat recovered well and all was fine. Um, so luckily but, and they, they caught the it in time. they kept the hair bobbles out of the cat's way. They did, yeah. yeah. I remember the lady saying to me, um, I had noticed that they were going missing, but I thought the cats <laughs> were taking them. Um, but okay. I suppose back to the stones, and yeah. it, that's the most common problem. I would really say in a puppy, try and break the habit as early as you can. That puppy's trying to occupy its brain. Its brain is working 100 miles per hour. It has all of the energy in the world and it's venting that energy and brain power on, you know, finding stones, digging them up, eating them. You really need to fulfill that energy and brain power with lots of mental stimulation, lots of activity, lots of play. Um, there's lots of exciting things you can get for pups. I think a lot of interaction with the family as well can help. Yeah. Um, there's lots toys of for when you're not at home with them, isn't it, exactly. to keep them busy? There are. There's lots of toys. And I think there's, there's lots of toys on the market, perhaps, that you can safely fill and leave with a pet that are quite durable mm. and might have a little bit of food inside. Um, and you can kind of pack them with, let's say, some of their normal food and some special treats and they can be working away trying to lick those little bits of morsels of food out of the centre of those toys you can even actually for supervised play you can even get dog puzzles these days which sound crazy and they come in all different levels and sometimes they have to let's say spin a spinner and flick up something with their nose in order to get to the treat so they have to learn the pattern of how yeah, to get it yeah. so they have to go through the process of how to learn these things dogs are intelligent um, dogs are incredibly intelligent we really underestimate them a lot of the time so I would say distraction is the best tactic uh, wear them out with lots of walks lots of play and hopefully 
if there's a period of time where he doesn't engage in that behaviour of digging and eating stones, he might just forget about it. Okay, Kay says, uh, hi Trish, uh, question for Jane please. My six-year-old neutered, golden retriever, fully vaccinated, flea and worm treated, all up to date, seems to have a problem when going to the toilet. Has a normal motion and then goes three or four times just a little loose motion. Such a nuisance when you're out and about trying to clean up after the dog. No other symptoms. And by the way, I haven't changed his diet in okay. any way. Okay. I think first and foremost, our lovely caller sounds like she's doing all of the right things. Um, I think worms will be one thing I would start with if there is any kind of irritation in the bottom area and maybe some excessive kind of straining after we've passed a normal motion. I'd be worried about worms and it sounds like we're up to date with that. So that's great news. Okay. Now, the un- interesting thing about this, and we do see it sometimes, is that she reports that her little retriever is passing a normal motion. So I'm assuming that, let's say, it's nice and solid. You could pick it up if you were out somewhere. Put it in the um, bag put and it dispose in the bag of and, it. And dispose of it, exactly. And it wouldn't cause too much bother picking it up. Now, if there's little bits of loose bits afterwards, some dogs are just prone to having a little bit of variability in how soft or formed their stools are. And if this is a regular pattern for your dog and it's something it's always done, that might just be its normal digestion to a certain extent, which I know is not the answer we want to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bit frustrating. If it's a new thing, however, um, looking at the diet is one thing. Introducing more fibre into the diet might be a helpful thing to do. You can yeah, get and either. the fact that Kay says yeah. she hasn't changed the diet, maybe that's what she needs to do. It's possible. Now, yeah. I think certainly a change in diet can cause a little bit of dietary upset because dogs and cats are really creatures of habit. They don't seek like us. They don't want a different dinner every night for entertainment. They really thrive off habit. But I would say it might be worth increasing the fibre content a little bit, whether that be with a little fibre powder supplement that you put into the normal food or whether that be speaking to your vet about maybe a high fibre diet to try and, let's say, solid up the poos a little bit more. Mm. Um, I would just maybe be a little bit cautious if it is a change in bowel movement like ourselves that's always something you need to be wary of so it might be worth just talking to your vet having a general physical exam just making sure that there's no no other indications that there might be a little bit of an early sign of bowel problems Um, so I think she's doing all the right things Okay and hi Jane we have a small dog it's a cross between a King Charles and a Bichon Frise the vet told us her teeth are all rotten she's on an antibiotic at the moment we're wondering how long will the pills be effective as we need to save up as it costs a lot for all of the Distractions and we're old age pensioners. You've got to help them. Okay, the antibiotic is obviously to kill off infection. It is. And particularly when we have little dogs and cats that have quite advanced dental disease, so quite a lot of tartar and what we call gingivitis, so an infection of the gums, we will routinely put dogs on antibiotics before they're dental. And that's just to settle down the infection a little bit in some cases if it's particularly severe before we let's say go irritating the gums further by let's say probably some dental extractions I would well, imagine they're, they're all coming um, out she's saying yeah, yeah, a lot of extractions it sounds like it so we want it just to be as let's say clean and comfortable as we can before we start into doing any more work so I'm, I'm with your vet there that's, that's, that's kind of par for the course now as for how long it acts it's normally kind of the duration of the antibiotic course now I don't know what exact antibiotics your vet will have prescribed but I'm sure they've they've made a very sensible choice I'm sure Um, so it's best to speak to them about their protocol for how much of a gap they will be comfortable with between finishing the antibiotics and doing the dental depending on the antibiotic and your vet's preference sometimes they like them to actually be on the antibiotic at the time of the dental and sometimes not it's a very personal decision as regards the vet and their experience but it's also very patient specific so I might do one thing for one situation and it would be different for another different for another and and that's all and and I know it's it's like they, they 
they're planning on having the extractions mm. done because they want what's best for the yeah, little dog. Absolutely. I would suggest having a chat with the vet and maybe if you explain that you've got to save to get the money together, they might put in some payment plan. Exactly. You know lots, what I mean? of, lots of vets will have a facility to perhaps yeah. do a payment plan and we're all very sympathetic like, yeah, to, to yeah. those problems. We have pets ourselves. We know how expensive it can become in this day and age. So and I you think always want what's best vet. for the dog. Exactly. Okay. Listen, uh, great as always. Thank you for that, Jane. Have a lovely week. Thank you. And uh, we'll chat again next week. That's Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing. Back with you tomorrow at 10.